is the Parent Life Podcast, and I'm Jason Stanland. For those who don't know, I'm the middle school pastor at Fruit Cove Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. I've been in that role for almost six years now. Uh, every fall, a new group of sixth grade students enters the middle school ministry at our church. Middle school ministry in our community and in our church, uh, it's St. John's County, Florida, includes sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, uh, particularly our public schools, and we kind of form around what our community has done there at our church. Makes sense. So starting in May, we begin to transition students from fifth grade to sixth grade as a rising sixth grade student. This is to help students transition from an elementary student mindset to more of a preteen, I'll call it preteen mindset. They go through many different transitions at home, at school, at church. They have lockers now uh, when they didn't before and watching them learn how to use a locker is hilarious. Uh, They have to select their class schedules when beforehand they were just assigned a teacher who kind of taught all the subjects. And so for most um, of these rising sixth grade students, their transition from elementary to a preteen starts around Christmas of their fifth grade year. A a parent who uh, works or, or sorry, a parent who has a fifth grade student will often see this. I, as the youth pastor, see this. And at Christmas, through about the end of that fifth grade year, all that fifth grade student can think about is moving on to the next stage, to uh, being a teenager. They want to grow up. Uh, And then it continues all the way through around Christmas of their sixth grade year. Now, this is different for every student. Every student is unique. Their mental and emotional development is unique. They develop at different stages and at different times. And to me, that's actually why I find this age so fascinating. So let me tell you about another person who has to go through transitions. It's the parent. (laughs) When the child begins to transition from elementary to preteen, the parent must transition to a parent of a preteen. Many parents find this transition and all the transitions difficult. They're reluctant to move on, maybe from the little girl who was into princesses and pigtails, and now she's into sequins and unicorns, and it's all totally different. Today, I want to talk about the four phases of parenthood. These are not original to me. I don't even know who created these originally. I tried to find out and do some research, but so many people have used either the three phases or the four phases. At this point, it's really hard to determine who came up with these phases of parenting. Um, So you may have heard of them before. Uh, Sometimes it's referred to the four C's uh, or the three C's. Uh, We're going to reflect on each of these and then how these can affect your child's discipleship. Something specific, because again, this is the Parent Life Podcast, and I focus on Christian development of your kids. What we're going to ask about each of these phases is not just simply what their development is or how we can parent them in that phase, but specifically how we can be disciple makers of our kids when they're in those phases. So first, let me give you a few disclaimers. You can be in multiple phases at once. Here's what I mean by that. If you have a toddler, a preteen, and a teenager then you are a parent who's in multiple phases at once because the phases are not determined by you as the parent, albeit it is based upon maybe age and life situation, things like that. But predominantly, it's going to be determined upon by your kids and what phases your kids are in. Number two, each child will progress through the phases at different times. Some children may hit the, uh, the what I'm going to call the cop phase uh, when you're the cop. Um, at age 18 months, 18 months to two years or something there. Others might 
phase into that later in their twos. Uh, we've heard about the uh, terrific twos, or also known as the terrible twos, or a three-nager. Uh, it just depends on when your child um, develops and also your child's disposition and personality as to what challenges you're going to face. Again, all these are fascinating. And then here's my last disclaimer I want to give you. You will be better at one phase than the others. Um, and so for me, uh, I will say like I have little kids and I have elementary kids. I do not have teen kids and I do not have uh, adult kids yet. And so for me, I don't feel like I've been necessarily stellar at either of these two phases. So I feel like maybe I'm coming into my best phase yet. Uh, when they turn teenagers. I don't know. Maybe that's just my disposition. Um, but many parents just adore little babies. Uh, and that's why you have them maybe serving in the nursery or something like that, because they just adore little babies. That's their favorite phase uh, to be in. So let's talk about the four phases and then how we can apply them as parents. So the first phase is the caregiver phase. Pretty self-explanatory. These phases are determined by your children's age, okay? And so your children's age is going to be zero to two years old-ish. And remember, there's lots of ish when it comes to this, okay? Again, this is different for every child. So if, you're, if your kid hits 18 months and they move out of that caregiver stage, that's totally normal for them. If it's maybe even three, that's totally fine. Some kids learn to speak before others. This is a great example because speech and the ability to communicate is a great indicator to your child's face. If they are speaking really well and forming sentences and thoughts, then they're probably already past the caregiver stage. Okay, So in this phase, you're primarily concerned with supporting the needs of the child. The child's needs are shelter, protection, food, love, etc. You get the idea. Do not misunderstand me. I am not saying that your child is not learning in this phase. Your child is learning immensely. But their will hasn't fully developed yet. The child gets uh, very little choice in his or her daily routine. The child will sleep for longer portions during her life at this phase. The child will be more interested in being held or being rocked during this stage because they're not overly what we call busy, okay? Um, many parents love this phase for the snuggles, the giggles, the choosing of outfits, and so on. Uh, and this certainly is a very fun phase, but it's also the shortest phase. Again, it could be 18 months to two years at most. All the other stages, phases are much longer than this one. So this means that a parent must establish him or herself as the primary source of love, affection, wisdom, and basic needs to their child in a very short period of time. Now, when that applies to discipleship, you need to establish a love connection, an affection connection, a heart connection, if you will, that you're going to build on. If you build this, or sorry, if you establish this well, you'll be able to build a much better, bigger, stronger home slash relationship with your child if this foundation is secure. All right, let's go on to the next phase. That's the cop. The second phase is the cop phase. The child has 
finally developed his own will. And it's very obvious. Uh, this phase is generally marked by a battle of wills, uh, maybe by tantrums or the like of that. The stage generally starts when the child grasps the concept of no, the concept of mine, and you begin to hear that word that becomes their favorite word in a very short amount of time. Uh, however, throughout this phase, a child is a concrete thinker and they lack the mental capacity to understand the moral underpinnings or the reasonings for the rules, hence why you're a cop at this stage. So the parent becomes a cop. Their job is to create healthy rules and boundaries for the development of the child, and they are to enforce these rules. Now, the parents must build the rules upon the love and the affection established in the caregiver stage. If you don't do that, then you're just going to have arbitrary rules that make very little sense to your kids. The stages will build upon one another. A parent does not move on to another stage while jettisoning the lessons from the earlier stage. The parent must build upon the, or the old phases or the earlier phases with this new phase. So, Many times in this phase, the cop phase, a child will ask the question of why. But this does not mean that they genuinely want to know the reasoning behind the why, because again, they're concrete thinkers. They probably cannot grasp the reasoning, or at least the full reasoning. This means they more or less just disagree with your rule. Now, later when your child gets into the next phase, they may, and I'd say that kind of tongue-in-cheek, they may genuinely care for the reasoning of your rule, um, but they also may not care for the reason they just simply disagree and they just want to debate so they can try and win and get their own will. That is highly possible in the next phase. So this is where a parent establishes the framework of rules. It's not just a hard and uh, quick list of check boxes or do's and don'ts. This is a framework of rules that can be expanded and applied to different scenarios and situations, and one day will be undergirded by a morality. This framework of rules will act as the concrete examples to support decisions in later phases. Furthermore, the framework will be passed on to your children's children in some sort of fashion. So... Pertaining to this cop phase, I kind of want to speak last to consistency. There must be consistency with the child individually and with all the children. So that means the parent must be consistent, consistent with every child individually all the time, and they must be consistent with all the children across the board all the time. Furthermore, the parents must be consistent with the other parent or parents. So mom and dad must be on the same page when it comes to major rules, major decisions. If uh, families are in some sort of divorce situation or a blended situation, which is uh, more popular right now, this can get a little bit more complicated. Uh, you can't have two houses and two sets of rules because there's only one child. And if the child learns that there's two houses and two sets of rules, you better believe that child is smart enough to exploit those two houses against one another and turn them against each other to exploit uh, the rules to what he or she desires for the outcome. So the parents must always agree on the majority of the rules and all the major rules. For the discipleship strategy as a parent, you're establishing a framework at this age from where you will lead out. 
Uh, maybe you uh, use stories, you use Jesus' parables, you use scripture to teach these rules within the framework because the next stage is going to be the moral underpinning. And so you have to establish a framework, not just a simple set of rules that has to do with, say, timing or something like that, but it has to be a framework that can be applied in multiple situations. So, phase three, the coach. The coach phase begins with the onset of puberty. Now, who knows when that's going to be for you or your kid? Uh, This is often between uh, 5th and maybe 7th grade, but that could be earlier for girls. That could be later for guys. And it depends entirely on your child's rate of development. With the onset of puberty comes the ability to think abstractly. Abstract thought becomes very important because now children begin to seek out the morality and the reasons for the rules learned in younger years. A parent should not shy away from this phase. The cop phase is more like a referee. The referee's job in the game is to enforce the rules. You only hear a referee speak up when a whistle is blown or a flag is thrown. If a parent hangs on to the cop phase too long, they become the negative person who all they do is blow whistles and throw flags. You do not want to be that person. You want to migrate to the coach. Why? Because there are no deep emotional ties to referees. There are deep emotional ties for the players to their coaches. Why? Because the coach is the one who teaches the players how to play the game. In the preteen, especially the preteen to teenage years, the parent builds upon the rules by coaching their child. This phase should be marked by a lot of conversations, conversations that explain morality or the reasons for the rules. Again, the framework is still there, built upon a foundation of love and affection and heart connections. This is a critical opportunity for parents to develop a biblical morality for their children. The conversations about morality should go hand in hand with faith. If there's ever a decision that needs to be discussed, discuss it in the context of faith. If a moment of discipline arises, ask yourself as a parent, how would Jesus disciple my son in this moment instead of how would Jesus punish my son or how would I want to punish my son? Very often in my own personal life, those are not the same things. The difficulty in transitioning to this phase for parents is the amount of time it takes to have those disciplined conversations. It used to be directives. You just to say, do this, don't do this. Here's the rule. Do it because I said so. But now in this phase, because I said so is no longer good enough. Now, let me put a caveat on that. Because I said so is good enough. Sometimes you're, you're, Teenager, your preteen doesn't have to know all the reasons why. And because you are still the parent, because you say so is good enough. But in the discipleship context, it's not. You need to be explaining to your teenager why you're making certain decisions. Because that teenager is going to take the framework, he's going to take the morality that you teach him or don't teach him, because ultimately, whatever you teach him, either in word or in deed or the absence by not doing anything through, say, passivity, you will disciple your child to parents similarly. So from a discipleship perspective, this is the phase that is intensely spiritual for parents. Because with the ability of abstract thinking comes the ability to develop a worldview and a self-identity. Not only should this phase include a lot of discussions about morality, parents should seek to explain 
the spiritual aspect of morality. This is the key age when parents pass on their faith to their children, and it starts preteen. As a middle school pastor, I reaffirm this over and over. It starts as preteen. If you wait until the teenage years, you are at a deficit already. So here's a great practical tip. Um, do not make the lessons about morality always about the child, and especially when the child um, is uh, participating in poor behavior, uh, because then that's going to be coupled with discipline. And every time that these conversations come up, it's going to be about their negative behavior or their uh, negative discipline or punishments or things like that. And so then these conversations inherently become negative to your child. Here's a simple idea. When you have to make a major decision in front of your children, explain why you're doing it. Whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether you have to own up to a mistake that you made, or whether it was a good decision you made, explain why you made that decision. Because now it's not about them, it's about you. And they will be fascinated just to know how your mind works. You want your child one day to make decisions for themselves. Therefore, as you explain your decisions, they're going to learn the whys so that one day they can create their own framework of uh, rules and um, morality to, to, to go forward in their life. So your child eventually will make all the decisions for their life. Therefore, towards the end of this coach phase, you want the child to make more and more decisions. As they mature and prove their ability to make good decisions, they should receive the opportunity to make more decisions and more substantial decisions. Because now we're at the last and final stage. It's the consultant. The final phase is when your kids are grown. Let's put it this way. In a business, a consultant enters the picture when the business owner has asked them to enter the picture. It would be inherently rude if a consultant just immediately walked into a business and said, hey, I see where you've got this problem, this problem, this problem. Let me help you because essentially you're saying I'm better than you. However, a lot of parents struggle with this transition because the child is now making all the decisions. For a parent, this is the phase when you must trust how you raised your child. If you trust yourself and how you raised your children, then in theory... You should be able to trust your children to make good decisions, especially if they proved to make good decisions as they were going through the coach phase. However, if you do not trust your children, your adult children, to make good decisions, then you may actually not be trusting yourself and how you raised them. More on that topic in a future episode. Thank you for listening to the Parent Life Podcast today. If you have any questions about me or my ministry, you can go to jasonstanlin.com. For more information about Fruit Cove Baptist Church and her ministries, please go to fruitcove.com. The links are in the bio and in the descriptions. If you would like to submit a question or response to the podcast, you can email us at parentlife at fruitcove.com. May you be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Colossians 1.9. See you next week.